Mech Football Pod. Caleb, my worst nightmare came true today. My worst nightmare came true today. Could you guess what that is? Crushing ordeal of being known by Jim McElwain. Uh, no, I didn't get to talk to him. Okay. Yeah, no, I mean, it is Mech Media Day, which meant that it's the most chaotic and stupidest day of the year because it doesn't actually, you know what, it doesn't deserve to be called a day because it lasts like two hours. I mean, you went to one of them before, but like, I mean, probably more than one. Right? How many times have you been? This is just the once. Just the one? Okay. Uh, this time was like the shortest of all of them. It was easily the shortest of all of them. But that's not my nightmare. Um, my nightmare that came true was that I went to Mac Media Day and there were no physical media guides. What? None. What? None. Like, that's. I cleared out my backpack. I got it all clean. I took a picture of it. I was like, ooh, I'm going to say before. And then once I fill this up, I'm going to take another one that says after. <laughs> Didn't even bother. It was the same picture. So. That's unfortunate. Yeah, man. I was. Ugh, so bad. And I know they'll be in this, then like, you know digital form PDFs and all that stuff. And I already got a zip file that included folders for all the teams to include their media guides. Uh, not all those folders were filled. At least the ones that I received. Uh, not all of them were filled, which is pretty sad. So uh, safe to say that COVID killed the media guides in the Mac. COVID killed the media guides. Caleb, why do I like the media guide so goddamn much? Because you're a massive nerd. Um, Very true. What comes to mind is several months ago, actually I can't even remember if this was last year before the shortened season or if this was like recently and you're sitting here, ooh, I wonder if BG's media guide will be out soon. Like this is a team that Alex has not had many good things to say about, and I haven't, to be fair. I've probably been more harsh. And Alex is over here, ooh, is the BG media guide out? Hey, man, there's good information in these things. Because <laughs> there's not, like, a central place to look up all college football records of all time. So for the most part, you're just kind of relying on the new updates of these things. Sure, a lot of people are like, no, I need the new updates of the Phil Steele magazines, which are helpful. I bought one. Uh, mm -hmm. And actually, there were more Phil Steele magazines than literally any other media guide in attendance that day, today, at Ford Field. Um, but they're, they're like really helpful, useful, yeah. you know, things to reflect on and like go back on, you know, especially as like, not that I am one, but like a daily journalist, it's super helpful if you're spending a lot of time covering a Mac football team, let alone me yeah. who spends too much time obsessing about this conference. It'll be fun to look back later and be like, aha, we had like eight different people that we all thought could be like defensive player of the year. And it's some guy who saw the field like six times last year or something like that. Something yeah. weird. I mean, no, we, we fall into those traps. Definitely. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, media day happened. It was fine. It was short. I mean, if, if you've never been, uh, if you're listening to this and you're a common fan, there's no way in hell you would ever show up. 
uh, because you're not allowed. It's only for, you know, people that apply and are allowed to, you know, get invited in the first place. But it's just, there's not a lot of good to it. So if you're watching the SEC media days at home, you're seeing, you know, um, the coaches take the stand one at a time, then the players too, and they field a whole bunch of questions for a whole bunch of media members. And it lasts, you know, bigger conferences last longer, right? The media day in the MAC lasts, like I said, I'm going to call it two hours. A little bit longer for, for the players and coaches, not by much. Um, sometimes I show up, sometimes I'm in the building longer than the players and coaches. Let's put it that way. At most, like what they're scheduled to do, they they come in, they have their breakfast, um, they'll break off and talk to ESPN uh, individually, they'll do like a radio hit, and then they'll do a TV hit locally, uh, and then they'll sit at their respective tables, and they'll field questions to reporters that, you know, usually it's their daily reporters and their local newspapers and stuff like that that come and talk to them and talk to them for the most time. Um, so like if you're, say, Rachel Lindsay at Buffalo, that's the first table you're going to hit up and the one that you're going to spend most of the time on. If she has time to do other things, you know, she'll hit up Central, she'll hit up NIU, she'll hit up Kent, Akron, whatever the case may be. Sure. But first and foremost, she has to talk to Buffalo, and if that's the one and only team she talks to, she did her job. And that's the expectation level across the room where as the media person at 11 o'clock you finally get the the press conference started with John Steinbrecher saying his piece he'll field a couple questions literally a couple and then only because a lot of people don't really raise their hands anymore but that's because all those people that probably would have raised their hands are mm, they got furloughed or reassigned and yeah and like after that you have two hours hopefully they're at the table when you want to talk to these coaches and players sometimes you have to wait and most more often than not if you want to talk to all of them you're not going to and that was the case for me today (laughs) but that's the case in most cases so whatever it is what it is uh i mean not that like you're missing out on anything but did you have any questions about the day that i had there the couple hours i had there you know, not really. I, I on a normal, a normal year, I'd be a little bit more like excited about it. Um, even last year, there was the like you know we're getting football back side of things, and it wasn't Mac Media Day because that did not happen. Nope. Um, but now I'm kind of in a place where there's still a lot of parity in the league. There's still a lot of interest in the media poll and how what what the kind of the results of that from that are. Um, does Toledo get ranked number one again and pick to win it? Um, who, what weird shakeup do the coaches predict in the East and how many teams get a first place vote, which this year where there was a lot, that was one thing I did find interesting. Um, quite a few teams received a first place vote, um, at least one first place vote. And a couple surprises on the East side for sure in terms of who uh, who got the attention, got the got the love from the coaches and the media. So um no no questions necessarily i don't i feel like it's it's probably was a lot of generic questions you would ask about like how is the team responding to going back to a normal year and how nice is it thing for things to be back to normal and who's taking advantage of the super year and then or the super senior year and 
how many players on your team are signing NIL type deals or something like that. So that at least the NIL stuff has the chance to like, if you're a media person to create really unique stories. Um, it's not likely to be the most hard hitting stuff. You can definitely delve into it and find more hard hitting things. And I'm sure um, with the coming of NIL name and image likeness type stuff with college athletes, there will be more hard hitting news about who is providing these athletes, these money, where it's coming from, et cetera, et cetera. But, but are you going to learn any of that at media day? No. no. And it's going to be more colorful anecdotes that make things for fun preseason stuff. So it gives you something to talk about. It gives you something to like tweet and share on your socials. But other yeah. than that, no, like, Nope. I said a lot, but that's a lot to say. Eh, I didn't have a lot of questions necessarily. I'm lucky because I live near Detroit and, almost always have so like going there isn't the most inconvenient thing for me but for the rachel Lindsay's of the world for the jordan guskies of the world who have to drive all the way from buffalo they have to drive all the way from muncie that you know finally get to ask these questions to people that like you know live and work like within miles of their own house uh sometimes they just have to give you the worst answers in the world and it's like oh okay i did all this work for for that answer okay i mean but that's just the game and it kind of sucks uh but the media's picks let's just get into that i guess because i don't want to talk about things that we're not even interested in anymore the media's picks which was pretty interesting uh very reflective of pretty much what you and i said in a lot of ways um we were kind of surprised by how many first place votes went around of the 12 teams seven of them received votes to win their respective divisions a lot more parity in the East than I kind of expected, but then again, I'm not surprised that there is parity. But the way the numbers stack up is just a little bit funny. Yeah. Um, Kent State's the front. Let's just focus on the East right now. Kent State is the front runner, of course. 11 first place votes. Uh, I'm going to say the total number of points they they got. Just assume that the last place vote, last place team gets one one point. And the first place team gets six points uh, when you submit these. Uh, Kent State got 11 first place votes, 112 points. And this is the most Ohio thing I've ever seen. Because Ohio is second with two first place picks, 96 points. Followed by Miami with five first place votes, 94 points. And then Buffalo, with everything going on there, still four first place picks. 93 points, followed by Akron and Bowling Green in the dust. That really is the most Ohio thing, though, right? Yeah, even in a year where people think, you know, we can rely on Ohio to win football games because Ohio, you know, wins eight, seven, eight games every year, nine games. But everyone knows where the cutoff point is. Yeah. We all agree on those two things (laughs) hard. (laughs) Uh, Like, we will not pick them to win it all. We know they'll win. They just won't win it all. Yeah. That's fine. We're good with that. We're comfortable with that. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's that's what that's what Frank Zolich has left behind. Um, but Kent State, uh, like we said before, there's the case for Kent State is very convincing uh, on paper, on film. It all makes sense. Uh, it's not the cleanest looking football. Pro- not as in like you know it has like foul play and like what and rule infringements or whatever but like you know it's not like a clear-cut favorite 
as a good football cro- program. It's just a clear cut favorite for the most part in the East. Sure. Or at least that it, yeah. yeah. You get what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Uh, Miami five and Buffalo four. The Miami five, you know, I don't know. What, what surprises you more that Miami had five first place picks or Buffalo with four? Buffalo with four. Definitely. Um, I get where outsiders might say Buffalo can be the best team in the East this year, but to see what Buffalo lost and know they're in a year of transition, it's, it's really peculiar to me that four people still pick them to win the East. And I think a couple months ago, it was still easy to be like, Buffalo's going to turn it back next year. And now you're looking at a team that like, they have, a, you know, they have a good running back. They've, they, they're, they're still question marks at wide receiver. Uh, the defense still brings back some really good guys, some of the top caliber players in the MAC. But just for me, there's just a lot of questions about how put together are they year one under a new staff trying to do new things. So mm-hmm. I would be much more comfortable. I get the people putting Miami in front. Yeah, um, yeah, me too. And I, yeah, and I'll note that at, at, as an Ohio alum, I picked Ohio to be fourth in the division this year. So the fact that um, there was confidence in Ohio finishing in front of Buffalo was also surprising to me. Um, the fact that people picked Ohio in front of Miami surprised me. So seeing the East predictions were actually were the big surprise for me in, 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 in a couple of those senses. Um, we'll get to the West in a second, but uh, I think Miami was very much deserving of uh, some respect and you look at who they bring back and the type of pedigree they have and think last, you think back to last year. And I'm like, I think you and I kind of agree that last year means almost nothing for Miami, given the little amount of time they put, they saw on the field, uh, the, you know, kind of lackluster defensive performance against Buffalo, but, and, but I mean, at this point, yeah, at this point, it just doesn't even matter. It's, they were primed to still probably finish their best football if they had played a long season, they didn't. Mm-hmm. So I would have no problem if people picked them in the finish in front of Kent State, just think, just based on pedigree and what Martin's been able to do and what this unit does or what this program's done the last couple of years. So um, Ohio in front of Miami seems so weird to me, man. It really does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like Miami feels like it's more of a complete team right now than Ohio. Like Ohio has some good parts. Miami definitely has more good parts it's, it's it's almost like people are looking at ohio and just saying we know like they aren't looking at the schedule they aren't looking at like the upside of this team i feel like they're looking at ohio and saying they're supposed to win so they're going to win we have some question marks about miami so i feel more comfortable putting ohio in front of miami just because there are question marks like is the defense going to be as good um but I think that misses the entire point that Miami's a more put together football team than Ohio has been in the last couple of years. So I, 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 I frankly, I don't get it. And it, it sucks to even think about it that way because uh, you know, go Bob kitties, but, <laughs> but I, I don't, I truly do not get it. And I would, I would actually, if, if I could go back and I could ask people, the coaches of the media, that question, in this case, the media, why, why, why Ohio in front of Miami? The West looks exactly like it should, honestly. Um, I have no real qualms about it. 
Ball State, you know, returning MAC champs. They're returning just about everybody that contributed to the team, not just last year, but over the past four years that built up to the championship run. 11 first place picks, 114 points. Toledo, seven first place picks, 104 points. Western with four first place picks, 103. So they're just separated by one point um, with a little bit of differing opinion on, uh, you know, first place. And then Central, Eastern, NIU. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that makes sense. I don't I don't feel like parsing out the bottom part. Central feels like, uh, also rest in peace, Don Giotto, because, and you know that's true because there's no number one next to, hit, next to CMU right now. Um, but... Central feels like a team that really could rise out of this, the bottom sure. three, just as long as it proves itself on offense, really, because there's a lot of respect for that defense already. I, you and I don't have to say it. Yeah. I did ask around. There's a ton of respect for a lot of players on that defense. Um, and I'm talking about players that aren't, you know, one of the co-defensive MVPs of the league last year, either in Troy Harrison Central is very well put together. Just as long as it puts a you know, a good passing game together, like the Central could steal one or two out of the West. But yeah. yeah, I mean, it hasn't earned the right to have anybody's first place votes yet. No. And you know, I think a couple months ago I, I was pretty steadfast in that belief as well. I was saying I'm not gonna be surprised if Central comes out of the West just because they're well coached and um, they've got some tools. They've got maybe the top end in terms of defensive talent. And then whatever your questions you have about the defense, they'll they'll solve a lot of those problems after a few games. Um, so it wouldn't shock me at all. I don't think Central's the best altogether team. You have questions you got to answer at quarterback. Um, you got to, I mean, you got to have a backup plan. Hope, I mean, if your backup plan is uh, Richardson as the backup, I mean, that sounds like a good backup plan. Um uh, what's the transfer's name from Washington? Why is it escaping me? Jake Sermon. Yeah. I don't know if he's the guy right away. I don't know. I don't, have, I don't know anything about it. Uh, that said, yeah, wouldn't surprise me at all. And uh, I actually was a little surprised to see Toledo not get voted first, even though Ball State has everything it does coming back, because I'm so used to the preseason voters doing what they do every year in, with Toledo. Just putting them a little higher than maybe they have earned. Um, yeah, not because sense. they don't have the talent, but it's like, have you earned that respect? Have you earned that, uh, th that those expectations? And I feel like Toledo typically is not in a position to have earned those expectations. So in this case, I think if in a fair, you know, in a fair look at how what like we've actually seen the last couple of years, Ball State should have won by or should have been should have been in first place by even more votes than they were. Um, but I think that once I think what's what's also fair to understand is Western and Toledo are every bit as uh, talented, if not more more talented than Ball State. Ball State just brings a ton of experience back from a team that did win the games it had to win last year. So very excited to see. I mean, l let me add too for for all the people who cover the MAC and you know the the day to day people, the few that still get to do it too. Props to you guys. Um, but I did see. Uh, Chris Vanini, who does the, probably the job best on terms of the national level of actually paying attention to like G5 football mm -hmm. programs, kind of make note of the fact that as far as conference championships go, 
there is no conference in, in Division One college football that has as much parity in the MAC. And this year looks just like we're we're set up to see that again in both divisions and then in the championship. I could honestly to God see any of seven teams win a MAC championship in this conference, and none of them would be absolutely shocking to me. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. Um, yeah, I don't even know where I want to start with this, but like, you know, Ball State. <laughs> I mean, we'll just go top down at this point. Uh, Ball State, the returning champ. Um, yeah, I, I could, I really could see any one of the those three, Central included. You know, just uh-huh. if they, if they, you know, just prove it right away, just keep it going too. Um, they could all be convincing arguments for the West champs. Uh, it's just all going to be a matter of who shows up on those game days. Uh, because I don't, yeah, like I can't write, like I picked, who did I pick? I picked Toledo um, because <laughs> like on paper, it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, someone's got to win it at some point. They got to win it at some point. Um, sure. But I mean, shit, I'm not looking at people that pick Ball State and said, oh, you're wrong. I mean, I can't really right. s- say like why people at Western are wrong either, because it's like, I don't know, you all have like, for as much talent as you could allow yourself to get in the Mac, those three are kind of capping out at what they can do. Yeah. If that makes any sense. And so it really is just a toss up with all of them. They're all separated by like, like between the one and three, they're separated by what? 11 points. Yeah. To your point. I would uh, be, I would be remiss to know like who picked any of them like fourth. Sure. Let me add though to your point. I think if uh, I think if Western recruited any better than it does, they wouldn't be as inconsistent as it was, and they'd be the you know Lester Lester would be gone. Like you're kind of right in the sense that they kind of are like maxed out almost to as well as they can possibly recruit. You could probably make an argument that they can do even better, but um, like Toledo recruits ridiculously well in terms of getting athletes every year and. Mm-hmm. Um, Still never really has the best defense. Still has an inconsistent offense. If they were any better, like, they, I mean, would they still be unstoppable? I don't freaking know. But, um, yeah, if I could, I mean, I, I was one of those people where I could have seen putting Toledo fourth this year, mm-hmm. e- even knowing how talented they are, just based on, you know, what you're, what you're looking at on the schedule and looking at matchups. So I don't think I would have put, I don't, I don't, I, at this point, I, I think I put them second or third in my, my predictions, but I mean, in the end, like, yeah, yeah <laughs> EMU like, you're, and like, NIU like, you're really speak. committing a genocide. If you're putting them any lower than third, though, like, you're <laughs> really going out of your way. I mean, what of my past ramblings about Toledo lead you to believe that I expect great things out of them, despite the massive amount of talent that they accumulate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, like that's, <laughs> that's why they're, they've been disappointing in recent years and recent games is because we think so highly of them. And they shouldn't be having those mistakes. They shouldn't be having those boo boos, but they do. Yeah, let's 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 just end that conversation now because I do not need to rant for another five minutes about Toledo when it's something I've done a dozen times That's at right. this point. Hey, we've all been there. I get it. Uh, <laughs> is there any argument for Eastern rising above here? You know, maybe to fourth, maybe to dare I say third? I don't think so much as um, it's totally. I mean, it's possible. Like. 
th- there might be stuff about the offense we don't know yet in terms of maybe like establishing run pass game that <laughs> you said establishing the run at <laughs> Eastern. Dude, at least they have good athletes. I'm not saying it's gonna happen. I'm saying if you figure something out that fucking works, then maybe there's actual balance in that offense. Yeah. Plus, you, you asked for a scenario where they could move up. I'm giving you the one where they could possibly try to do it because they're not going to air raid you. Hey, man, if Ben Bryant hits, they're still they still can't air raid. Like they have a couple good athletes. Like I mean, between uh, Bedouin and uh, it won't let itself go to a full air raid. It'll do. No. It'll have air raid concepts that'll implement because they have some of the tools to do it. But they'll never like commit to any of that. They're committed to doing everything. Well, so then let's let's say this. Then uh, you would want me to say no because I can say no. <laughs> Eastern can't get back up. If they did, it'd be on the on the shoulders of their defense. How about that? Because they've between Myrick and uh, who am I even forgetting right now? That's going to be an absolute stud this year. Spates. I mean, I suppose Spates and then uh, Rush, Rush. Um, should be really good this year too. So they have some good top end caliber guys up yeah. there and defensive backs. The, fl- that, the floor too. You know. Yeah that are really solid. So defensively, they might be a top, I mean, maybe in a good situation, they're the best defense in the West by some chance, mm-hmm. but that, yeah, no, they're, <laughs> they're fit for a reason. Caleb, uh, one thing that I did, so I didn't get to talk to everybody at Mac media day, but I did get to talk to a few. Obviously I spent a lot of time at the NIU table because I was doing some stringer work for a year old newspaper uh, so go buy a newspaper first and foremost, go buy one, yeah. especially if you live in the state. Um, but I talked to the Eastern players. I talked to Kent state's table. I talked to NIU's table. I talked to Tom Arth and the ball state players. Yeah, that's it. That's all I talked to. Uh, cause I had to get to work. Um, but what I did, I made sure I kept around the same three questions and I asked these three questions. There were more, but I'm going to limit them to three just for this exercise. Um, you know, I asked everybody these same questions, and I'm going to ask you. And I want to see what your answers are. Even though you're not a football player, you're sort of a football coach. Hey, I and was you're in Mac Country. So and I'm a coach. Put some respect on my name. You're not currently a player. I'm currently a coach. Yeah, I did say that. <laughs> I did say sort of, but since you are a coach, Coach Caleb, um, three questions for you. 2020 meant a lot of different things to a lot of different people. What did the year 2020 mean to you? Well, I hope we're talking football here because I don't want to go. We're, we're talking anything. <laughs> I, I asked an open-ended question for a reason. Let's, 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 uh, uh, so last year, in fairness, I did get a lot of fo- football-only answers. Sure. There was a lot of gloom and doom last year, and for good reason. And um, a good portion of a few months there was spent with us and talking about Mac football and, you know, dreading, like, how long is it going to be before we see these organized sports again and these people getting together? When, when will it be safe for them to do it? And not having any type of certainty in that respect, I still feel like, we are only now returning to something of a sense of certainty. And even that's like starting to, it feels like it's healing back a little bit because like the Delta variant is 
like infecting so many uh, unvaccinated folks and, and vaccinated folks too. A, a buddy of mine's had a, a friend's, uh, a buddy of mine's friend's dad who was vaccinated has had like a seven day fever and is like ready to go to the hospital. I'm just like, Jesus Christ, this is unscapable. Um, but I will remember a good portion of the time spent talking about like, God, what, how much will we appreciate football when it's back and what certainty will there be there? And so like 2020 was a lot of that time was gloom and doom. And then moments of just like, geez, like uh, just grateful that things like this can happen again. Football can happen again, that you can just kind of relish in the joy in the joy of how stupidly lovely Mac football is. And so I'll, I'll choose to kind of focus it on that and just, glad that we're coming back to a season where we can look at things week to week we aren't going to be in all likelihood you know not going to knock on wood but like thinking about covid every waking hour of waking day every waking day and so college football is now a chance for us to look at something every week for months on end and just debate aimlessly and not think about <laughs> the rigors and horrors of the world so um with 2020 in hindsight I am just grateful that we're looking at a full season ahead right now. Yeah. A lot of the answers I got back were like, uh, you know, it made me appreciate, you know, some things in life. Uh, a lot of people came together. There's a lot of adversity that we all as a team kind of got through together and this, that, and the other. Uh, I will point out that Thomas Hammock did have a really good answer to it. He said that, you know, it made him appreciate, you know, life made him appreciate health, made him appreciate good health. Uh, things that you know like stuff you've heard before but it was still nice to hear from a mac coach that you know you know there are things that we took for granted that we probably shouldn't and we need to like reevaluate some things um so that was kind of nice to hear uh i guess the one thing that i would want to add to that i guess it made me want to like 2020 made me think that it's a reminder that like what we're all here on earth for and it's that we're all in this together and not in this as in like in these trying times um please understand that we have to do social distancing so we it's going to be a while before your couch comes in thank you for ordering through art fan um it's not one of those these times like the time of existence as existing as humanity together you know, we get through this podcast together because we both have a shared love for our small niche, you know, football league and these little schools across the Midwest. You know, we're all in this as drivers on the road. We're all in this as people at supermarkets or, you know, holding doors for old ladies, stuff like that. Um, so it's just a reminder that all of your decisions, small and big, good and bad, they all matter. I guess that would be my answer to my own question. Not that anybody asked. Oh, yeah. Uh, Caleb, Coach Caleb, do yeah. you like the proposed 12-team playoff? I know it's not going to happen now, and it's probably going to happen. This is what I would say to the guys. Uh, it's probably going to happen you know, well after you're graduated and whatnot, but maybe the freshmen on the team get to enjoy it. Um, do you like the proposed 12-team format? Or if you had the chance, how would you edit it at all? Okay, so my understanding of it is essentially that it's the sixth highest ranked conference champions, right? right. Yep. And the at that point it becomes six highest other ranked teams. Yep. 
is the gist of it? Okay, so... You're still going to leave out multiple, like, one-loss G5 teams. That will always happen. Mm-hmm. Or potentially undefeated G- G5 teams. I think that they, the, the hope would be that with a... With an undefeated G5 team, they can't lose in this situation, uh, or they can't not make it, but it's always possible. Um, I think part of what I would like about if it was, like, say, if it wasn't 12 and it was 16, was was like a guarantee of a certain amount of slots for G5 teams. And that could still mean that... And I frankly, I'm not one of the. I I, I think I, I bounce back and forth between. I'm not one of the people who, as much as like we can, we have to determine who the best team is. Why do we need these other teams? I, I don't really care. I'm I'm more about is it going to be exciting at the end of the year? Um, does it have the chance to put different people on the national stage so you aren't watching Clemson and Ohio State and Alabama and Oklahoma at the end of every year? Mm-hmm. I'd just as much be interested in whether. Once every 10 years, I don't know, freaking Marshall can knock off Notre Dame in a national playoff game. Or if, you know, I mean, let them take it to any extreme. Fresno State beats um, Auburn. I don't know. I think that stuff's fun. I think the idea of that at a national level would be really fun. And I don't think it diminishes the importance of a national championship. Um I do think you you would change the season. You'd possibly reduce the non-conference schedule in that case. I think you could still have situations where they're like, okay, so why does the best team not get a buy or whatever? So I don't have an issue with the 12-team format. Um, I do think it, what it does leave out is something I would desire, like I said, which is the excitement of the unknown teams or the, 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 the less highly respected teams of G5 squads that could make for an interesting story so um as it stands sure you got your conference champs you got your high-ranked teams a team that's high-ranked non-conference champion like maybe considered like the 14th or 13th best team in the country could still make a run and still be like a story we all remember for a long time and that could still be worth worth some fun but yeah i have no big qualms with 12 i think i would do 16 just because of the reasons already stated um and yeah i guess that's that's kind of the gist of it yeah i mean i just you just know that like whenever another group of people that you don't really care for with those people that you know are that don't always have like the g5 team's interests in mind like they're always going to find a way to like rank out those teams anyways like yeah. oh i saw a projection that coastal would have made it last year well guess what in reality they didn't make it and also in your projection they would have only barely made it in a real reality, they would have been the fourteenth best team. Why? Because we saw what they did with Iowa State last year. That's why. <laughs> That's exactly why. So there's got to be something better with the way teams are ranked. There, there needs to be some sort of reform there. But I don't know how that that change can happen. Um, I don't well, know yeah, what that looks it, like. It's in every in every sense. Like it's. We love to sit here and be like, it's rigged and make or make we want to make maybe make fun of the people that say it's rigged, but like Coastal is such like a great example of you know, they take a bye week and they and they fall back 
<laughs> in the yeah. rankings, despite being undefeated, despite having these wins they already had. And it's just like, okay, we're not supposed to believe it's not rigs. <laughs> like, come on, we're supposed to believe it's not rigs. So, yeah, it, you do you would have to address the G five issue or the issue of respect for those programs. But again, that's kind of why I was thinking like you need to have slots. There there has to be like slots for G five teams that are guaranteed, even yeah. if they're not. I think the higher ranked conference champ. Yeah, I think like and uh, last point, and then we'll move on to the last question. Uh, but like, and this doesn't really fix the playoff or really answer it at all but to improve like what we kind of want to see out of let's say like the deserving g5s of the world let's say like you know the undefeated coastals or whatever or like ucf even you know even before we get to okay now that they finish their american schedule okay now that they finish their cusa schedule okay now that they finish their mountain west schedule you know what do they earn now i feel like there has to be a way for teams across the nation to have like it'd be cool to have like a week eight or a week nine open across the board mm-hmm. and have those games filled on a later day based on what a committee says you know they need to learn more about these teams so like you know UCF's going on a run okay let's see how real this is like is this like because they're just playing through a crap AAC or just a lesser AAC than the P5s yeah. You know, let's 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 have them play Georgia and just see how that goes. Oh, okay, they, they just beat Georgia. Okay, they'll be for real in about a month. Yep. And while there are so many logistics behind that, if we learned anything this past season, Don't it's that them. college college ads and presidents it does not matter. They can make it happen. Yeah. Like they will put together a game at a moment's notice. BYU you know? Coastal. Yeah, like they made it happen. Like literally in in just like what two days or whatever. Like it, it's gonna happen. Like you just have to account for what ticket sales and workers and just some some of the game day stuff that goes in like you you pay people more money you hire more workers because you're going to make money off of it anyway so yeah i mean i think it's an interesting idea um again it's made i don't know the possibility of it i don't know what else goes into all that decision making i don't i'm not going to profess to but yeah if if last year taught us anything it's that a little more is possible in terms of flexibility with the schedule than we've been led to believe this question stumped pretty much everybody and i got a long pause after i asked it a lot of times um and caleb and now i i would say it to them but it doesn't really matter to you because you're not playing for a team or coaching a specific mac team um but i would say to the players or the coaches you can't answer with anybody from your own team who are the top three players in the league right now Ooh, you asked that question of some of the players today yep Ooh, I'd, i'd love to hear some of those answers later um I'll tell you all. You could that that could be a whole story, like in itself, like where they rank them. That'd be interesting. Yeah, it would have um, been nice to have like more than an hour and a half to get through the whole room. But yeah, I agree. Sure. Um, that said, um, I believe. Can I give the the names of the players who <laughs> had right below three that I that aren't my top? Yeah, three? go for it. I mean, Hammock listed off like eight guys. <laughs> Did he really? Yeah. Okay. He was like, I know he's at three, but I just can't stop. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. That's one thing I like about Hammock a lot is that he will just like, I'll just tell you how I think about this. And <laughs> he can really be that way. Like sometimes he wants to be tight lipped with like media, like, um, or he doesn't have a lot to say, but sometimes he'll just like, but mostly he's just frank with you and he just tells you what he thinks. And I, I always did like that about him. Um, and <laughs> I'd love to actually hear what he thinks about some of these guys, um, considering he's, he's a long, a guy who's long had those connections with a Mac. 
Because um, I bet he has an answer to that's not what we would be thinking. Like, I guarantee there's like at least like one or two people in there that he like that you're like, oh, I guess I hadn't thought of that. Um, but for me, uh, the, the people I left just out of the top, um, Dustin Crum actually, even though I think he might end up being the best NFL prospect in the group. It's a possibility. I don't know that he will be. Um, so he's one of them that I had to omit from my top three. Um, Troy Hairston the second, even though he was a co-defensive player of the year last year. I think they're going to be better, like a def- better defenders than him this year. Yeah, put the, yeah, double those stats. Like, that's a full season of him. Yeah. That's what it should the, be. Yeah. Well, the I'm stats are, yeah. I mean, he's going to have stats. Um, I don't know that he's the most talented defensive player in the league. And so I think he's he's still going to rack up like double digit sacks and makes in some tackles for loss. But I don't know that he's like the best defensive player all around. Um, just like I wasn't sure if Brandon Martin was the best defensive player all around. I wouldn't be surprised if there's another, there's another group of players that comes to mind. I like and of Western Michigan that could be up there. And he was one I kind of considered, but whatever. Um, Ralph Hawley of Western might be the best defensive player in the conference. And looking at him and Fayad on the defensive end and some between some of the other defensive players they have, they should be better. Um, so Hawley was one that I think if I have to make a decision, I'm just leaving Hawley out of the front. Um, and my top three then are Justin Hall, Caleb Ellaby, and Mike Nowitzki, the center from Buffalo. He's gone. He is gone? Yeah. Well, fuck me sideways. Um, Ralph Hawley, then. 